Judges 17, 6, the word of the Lord says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. We are going through the life of Samuel. For those that don't know, and this is our second teaching in the life of Samuel. When God chooses someone, he chooses someone for himself. Okay, someone he has put his mark on who has allowed the molding and the transformation to take place in their lives. When God chooses someone, he chooses that someone for himself. Not someone who is wanting the attention or who needs the fanfare or, or who is preoccupied with endorsing their own ministry before people. Say, God has chosen me for himself. He has chosen you, every one of you, for himself, that we would bring glory and honor unto him. So as we're studying the life of the prophet Samuel, I have a clear word from the Lord, and I mentioned this to you at our midweek service, that he is raising up the remnant, and he has crowned us with abundance. He has crowned us with abundance, but in order to do this correctly, okay, the, we have to, the alarm must be sounded. In, in other words, we must hear the truth of how to walk in that abundant life, crowned with abundance, because he is truly raising up the remnant, and the remnant of God are in different pockets of the world, and I believe the remnant of God are right here, but they're in pockets of the world, but God is raising them up, so I must follow what he has spoken and remind people that if you're going to serve the Lord, then he wants your all. He wants your all. He wants your whole heart. He wants your whole life, your obedience, not your sacrifice. So God is looking for a person whom he can trust his leadership to. Would we agree that God is the, the best leader, the greatest leader? right? We've got some good leaders and then we've got some not so good leaders, right? But God is the best leader, right? So he is looking for a person that he can entrust his leadership to. Will that be you? And the answer should have been yes. Uh, so not what we can do for God. This is where people miss it and they get it wrong. This is what I can do for God. This is what I want to do for God. This is what I get to do for God. Well, listen, it's what he wants to do in and through you, what he's equipped you to do, Amen. what he's called you to do, and what he is doing through you, not what you're doing for God. Amen. It's his ministry, not yours. Amen. So what he has called you to, he will also do through you. So we have many in our pulpits today that they have made their own high calling. And that it has become literally a public spectacle. Heaven forbid. God forbid. But they have dishonored the Lord. They have profaned his word. They have seduced his people. And all of this in the name of Christianity. Oh, so much more. So many. I could, dis I could go on describing. But God forbids the adulterating of his name. That is what it is. The adulterating of his name. Yet high profile men and women of God continue in their charisma while the sheep blindly follow. So we live in a day where everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Yet there is nothing new under the sun. And I already read you that scripture. So before the prophet Samuel was called, Israel lived under the rule of judges. You guys remember your church history? How many of you guys remember Old Testament history? For 400 years, the Israelites lived in bondage and spiritual anarchy because they forgot they were a covenant people. 
Judges 21, 25. You can write it down if you're, if you're taking notes. Judges 21, 25. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. But they're called to be holy. We're still called to be holy. Yet they were running wild. They were running wild. It became about their gifts. It became about their ministry. And God was not in it. So do you see some of the parallels? Church history and today. There was no strong spiritual leadership. Therefore, spiritual bondage was the result. When there's no strong spiritual leadership, bondage is sure to be a, the result, the byproduct. So the time of Samuel's calling was during some of, some of Israel's most destruct, destructive years, chaos and turmoil. So we cannot study, though, Samuel, the life of, of Samuel, without first looking at Eli. Eli trained Samuel in the house of the Lord, but he, you know he had his own sons. He had his own sons. He did not teach his sons in the right way. He didn't teach his sons correctly the things that pertain to God. Therefore, God pronounced a judgment, and both Eli and his two sons died. Uh, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 2. And I want to read to you 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting in verse 27. Okay, and we're going to go to 32. It says, then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, remember, whenever God wants to do something, he always sends a man or a woman of God, right, to initiate. The word of the Lord will come. That's, that's the bottom line. So a man of God came to Eli and said to him, thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense and to, and to wear an ephod before me? Did I not give to the house of your father all the, all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor those who honor me, I will honor. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and, and the arm of your father's house so that there will, be, there will not be an old man in your house. And you will see the enemy in my dwelling place despite all the good which God does for Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. Right. Wow, right? As Christian parents, we must teach our children the word of God and tell them what he has done for us personally. How important is it? And for some of us, even our, we're, we're grandparents, it's important that we teach our grandparents, I'm sorry, our, our grandchildren, as grandparents, we teach our grandchildren what God has done what has he done in your life, right? We need to teach that to the next generation. 
Some of you maybe say, I don't have any children, but you do have spiritual children, and God wants you to teach what God, what he has done in your life, right? And some of you might say, well, I messed it up. My goodness, this is too, I'm, it's too, it's too late for me. I didn't know this, or I didn't do this. You pray for, you repent, and you pray for another opportunity, and you ask God. And some of you beat yourself up in an ungodly way, and you hold yourself in judgment where God has not, because you did do what you were supposed to do, but you're letting the enemy torment you. So we've got different scenarios that I could speak of, but I wanted to cover them all because we're not going to let the devil rob you and lie to you. Amen. And there's always hope with the Lord. If you're still breathing, there's always hope. Right? So yes, as, as Christians, we must teach our children the word of God and we must tell them what God has done in our lives. So, you know, when I raise my children... And I homeschooled my children. Bible was the most important subject in our, in, our, in our school, right, in our everyday life. It was Bible. We always, I loved Bible. They had no time frame on Bible. We may have had time frame on some of the other subjects, but not on Bible. Not on Bible. I just go on, and however long it needed to go, it went. Just like here. Some things never change. Just like here. Hallelujah. So it was the most important subject in our home. So I knew that I had those few years to impart unto them the most valuable lessons, which are all found in the word of God and what God had taught me. And we are called to raise up the younger generation. The older is to teach the younger. Every one of us. Some of you know about my Job dream. I've mentioned it from time to time. When I had my Job dream, I'm not going to go into it now. By the way, the first teaching of this, if you weren't here, it's already online. So you can go right to the websites. You can watch it. You can watch on YouTube so that you can stay up with it all. When I had my Job dream, our children were young. And my focus was to raise godly children and to be obedient to the Lord. That was my focus. Isn't that a good focus? Is that your focus? To be obedient to the Lord and to raise godly children. To raise godly children. Little did I know that at the time God had chosen me to minister before him. Well, I was ministering before him to my family, but I didn't know to the degree that he was going to use me. Little did I know that I was entering into years of testing and molding as he prepared me for what he had called me to do to be his mouthpiece to the nations. You don't know what God is doing during some of your most difficult times. And the enemy tries to put your focus on the wrong thing and get your focus off of what God is truly doing. But if you're living with the intention to honor God and to live right before him, and there's chaos and there's all manner of turmoil all around you, consider yourself blessed and realize that God is moving in powerful ways and he's raising you up, but he's training you first. And you're not going to be able to do the things he's called you to do unless you heed under the training of the Lord. There are no shortcuts. If you choose to take a shortcut, you shortchange yourself. So we're not going to shortchange ourselves. We're not taking a shortcut. We're, we're going, Lord, I'm your vessel. 
You know, there's joy in pain. There's joy in suffering when, when, when you submit yourself to the Holy One. God will see fit that you enter into that joy in the midst of the pain. Amen? Amen. So God was raising up the prophet Samuel in the house of Eli in the temple of God to be the mouthpiece of the Lord to the nations, to minister to a people bound for 400 years, bound in spiritual anarchy. Anarchy, a state of disorder. Define that word for a moment. A state of disorder due to the absence or the non-recognition of authority. Yeah. Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. It's got anarchy. Anarchy could also be stated as lawlessness, as rebellion, as chaos, riots, as disorder, as insubordination. During, doing what is right in their own eyes is what put the children of God in the 400 years of bondage in the, in the first place, doing their own will, right? So hence, Samuel enters the scene. 1 Samuel 2.35. 1 Samuel 2.35, this is what it says. It says, then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. God is raising up for himself. God is raising up for himself, for his glory, a faithful priest. A kingdom of priests. So the word says, then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before my anointed forever. Amen. And this has nothing to do with age. Lest you think you've disqualified yourself because you're older now. Has nothing to do with age has everything to do with submission to his will. Amen. How many want to serve the Lord with everything that is within you, knowing that you're called by God and unto him? That he leads and directs. So what is important for the people of God to take away from this so far? Well, we need to know that God, that, he, that, that we see the heart of God. This is what he wants us to take away is that we see the heart of God in everything he's called us to do. That we're not seeing ministry as what I can achieve for the Lord, but what has God called me to do? How do I please him? How do I minister to him? What is he looking for? Not what do you think that it should be, but what God has truly said. And, you know, he will confirm what he has said. What he's told you, he will confirm it. So we, we have people in the pulpit that honestly should just sit down. <laughs> it's true. Well, they should sit down. They, they either remain, they either remain, some of them have either remained hidden in their sin for a season and now it's being exposed. Or they actually should have never been in that position in the first place. And now it's being exposed. But either way, Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8, these people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We've all heard this scripture, Matthew 15, 8. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. There are people that still, you know, they know the lingo. They know how to draw near to God with their mouths, with their, with their words, but their hearts are far from God. But we know God sees our heart. We know he... 
he, and judgment starts in the house of God, my prayer is that you become so confident in your walk with the Lord that no matter what it looks like externally, like to others, that you would walk with such a confidence because you know God sees your heart and you daily make that a place where you submit yourself into his will, that you daily walk with the assurance of knowing that God is pleased and you make sure of it. You repent on a daily basis Amen. so that you walk in a position where he can bless you. Where he, could, where he could move in and through you and where God will be glorified first. We have to have the intention in our hearts that we want to glorify God first and foremost. And that we would not steal or take any of his glory. Amen. So we have to, we should, we should ask God to deal with us Lord, deal with me whenever I go off. Amen. You know, if we were to do this in, in private, then he wouldn't have to allow the exposing publicly. Because remember, God is for you and he's not against you. Yeah. Remember, God does truly love you and he's got the best intentions for each and every one of us. But he also wants purity from us. Yeah. Number one, for, first and foremost, he wants our hearts to walk purely before him. So if we would make our daily habitation, Lord, search my heart and make sure my heart is right before you. Do whatever you need to do, Lord. I want to please you. Remove anything that does not give you glory or honor. Remember, God raises up his servants for himself. Not so that you can fulfill a ministry. Not so that you can fulfill some other man's shoes. Not because there's a need over here or over here there's a need over here. So then you go ahead and fulfill that need because there's a need. Is that the size of your God? When God calls you, he calls you to himself. When you understand this principle, you walk differently because you walk knowing that you will hear the voice of God and you will do his will because you're called unto him, not unto an earthly purpose. I mean, it will have an earthly purpose, but your first purpose is to minister before him and to be called unto him. I hope I'm making sense. So God does not call you into a ministry to see how big your ministry can be. It's ridiculous, but some people do think that way. You know that, right? And first of all, it's not your ministry. It's his. <laughs> and all we have is really what's been given to us from the Lord anyway. Every single one of us. So we need to stop taking so much credit because it's all credit belongs to him. So God calls us to himself. So to neglect our relationship with him is to lose the, the very reason that he first even chose us to neglect our relationship with him. See, this is where a lot of ministers fall. They start off right, and then they neglect their relationship with the Lord, and they get busy in busy's, busy's sake, for busy's sake, and they don't maintain that relationship with the Lord, and pretty soon they're building all right. They're just not building with God. They're building. They're building something big maybe even, but the glory of God may have been removed. And that's a sad state and not one that we want to walk in. But we want to minister to the Lord 24-7. And we want to be reminded that this is our first and highest calling yeah. is to minister to God. Yeah. So he is raising up 
priests, kingdom priests. He is raising us up, his remnant. And I'm going to be taken however long it takes to go through the life of Samuel, because this is what the Lord has instructed me to do, and to draw the parallels between the life of Samuel and our own. Between the life of Samuel, the prophet, and the lives of people today in ministry. So that we walk with wisdom. Not the pointing of the finger. Not in a position of pride and thinking we're so much above anybody. But with this reverential fear and respect and awe of the Lord. Because we are in this to give him the glory and to finish well. So a faithful priest, again, is one who shall do according to what is in his heart. This is 1 Samuel 2.35. To what is in his heart and what is in his mind. Think about that. He has a desire. What is in his heart? What is in his mind? A faithful priest is going to seek that out. Aren't we kings and priests unto the Lord? So we're going we're gonna to seek that out. Lord, what is in your heart? What is in your mind for me? And it's not our vision that he blesses. He blesses his vision in and through us. He gives us vision, but let's make sure we have his vision, that we've asked him for his vision, right? So God chose Samuel, a man who would faithfully share what God was saying during a time where people chose not to follow after God because he's a prophet. He was a prophet, right? Yet Samuel was faithful to the call of God even when it was difficult, to prophesy the word of God. God raised up the first of his prophets and he disciplined his people for God disciplines those he loves. Hebrews 12, 6. Hebrews 12, 6 says, for the Lord disciplines those that he loves and he chastises every child whom he accepts. Yeah, don't reject the chastisement of the Lord, the discipline of the Lord. Be thankful. Wow, thank you, Lord. You love me. That's why you corrected me so I wouldn't fall in that ditch. You saw that. You knew that ditch was there. You know the end from the beginning. So you allowed. You have to have the right perspective. When we don't have the right perspective, then the enemy can twist our thoughts and, get, and speak lies to us. And then we don't rightly divide the word of God. And we don't rightly divide that which is happening in our lives. But we're supposed to. We're supposed to rightly divide. Right? So, so we, we must remember, he disciplines those he loves because he wants better for us. So Samuel shared the words that God gave and that God spoke to him regardless of how hard they would be to hear. He told Eli that God was going to take Eli's life and the lives of his two sons because of their sin. How many of you guys remember this portion of scripture? 1 Samuel, thir uh, 1 Samuel 3, 12 and 13. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. Because his sons, because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. So this word from the Lord that was spoken to Samuel comes right on the heels of God calling Samuel. And he's like, Samuel, Samuel, you know, three times. And he runs to Eli. 
And then on the fourth time, he said, that's the voice of God. When you hear that again, say, here I am, Lord, I'm listening. And then on that fourth time when he said, here I am, Lord, I'm listening, it's when he gave him this prophetic word to go and speak. It was a hard word, wasn't it? It wasn't an easy word, was it? But he's going to give prophets the true word of God, and it's not going to always be a, a word that's going to tickle ears. What was the vile thing that Eli's sons committed? Let's turn our Bibles to second. I'm going to read this from the word. It's First uh, Samuel 2 and uh, 22 through 26. This is what was so vile. This is what his sons did, Eli's sons. This is why the judgment came down so hard. Now, Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all of Israel and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meetings. He laid with the women that were gathered at the church doors. And so he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. So, sons, what are you, why are you doing this? I'm hearing all about this. No, my sons, this is not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. You're causing people to stumble. They were ministering in the house of the Lord. These were the sons of the priest. They were, they were serving in the same way, serving God. But they were causing people to stumble. This is a very serious, stern word from the Lord because there are many that are serving God and causing people to stumble. No, it's not okay. No, God is not pleased. And we have to assess our lives and say, wow, I, do, I need to have wisdom, number one. That I don't allow that kind of thinking and teaching to be in my heart and be okay with it and justify. Of course, you don't want to be doing that yourself, but I don't believe I'm talking to those that would be. But you don't want to justify it either, Right? We don't want to justify when God says this is sin. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. Verse 25. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? When you sin, you sin against God. Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. And the, and the child Samuel grew in stature and in both favor with the Lord and with men. There's so many things that I could share with you about this. You know, Samuel, during all this time, here he's got Hopni and Phineas, Eli's sons, you know, sinning, vile, vile sins, grotesque sins. But you got Samuel being raised in the same household. Eli parenting them all. Eli raising them all up. Two of them die because of their sins. One goes on to be a prophet. So for those of you that say, my goodness, what happened? Hey, I've said that. My goodness, what happened? We raised them all the same. First of all, it's not over. But in the temporary, right? In the now. My goodness, what happened? Well, we all have choices. They had a choice. Samuel was raised under the same, same tutelage, same instruction. But we all have free will. So for the parents that feel the burden of shame, for the parents that feel the heartbreak of, my goodness, I messed up big time, stop partnering with the devil. Stop letting the devil torment you. Especially when you see 
some that are serving God or that are walking rightly, and then others that are not. I'm not saying don't own up to your stuff. Of course, we all should do that all the time, of course. But I'm saying don't let the devil bombard you with the shame when God is not finished yet. He's not finished. Your story's not over. Our, my story's not over. He's not finished. We're going to keep on keeping on. We're going to keep on praising God. We're going to keep on doing the will of God. We're going to keep on pressing in. And some of you may say, about my kids don't even, my daughter, my son, don't even talk to me. You keep on pressing into the will of God. You keep on loving God and honoring God. You keep on serving him with your whole heart. And you know that, yes, you take care of God's house. He will take care of your house. Do you not believe that word of the Lord? God told me that years ago. You just take care of my house. And I will take care of your house. Amen. We're going to hang on to those words, aren't we? Yes, we are. So inappropriate sexual conduct. With the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meetings. And we know this happens today. Well-known ministers of churches, you know, Christian schools, ministries, all. But they have perverted the pulpit and defiled people. Yet, we read 1 Samuel 2.18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child. Even as a child. Wearing a linen ephod. God has always raised up a faithful priest in every generation. And he's still doing it. He's still doing it. Samuel raised up the school of the prophets. You know, he, he had his own kids, but his own kids didn't follow after his life either. Isn't that interesting? His own kids didn't follow after his life either, but... Samuel raised up the school of the prophets. It's not you to dictate where the anointing falls. We just get to do our, our best, the best we know how to serve God. But it's not you to dictate where the, the anointing falls and where the calling is, gets picked up. But it is interesting, isn't it, that he was raised under Eli, and Eli's sons didn't follow after, nor did Samuel's tell me there wasn't a spirit going on. I mean, I'm not going to go into that because I could, but there's so many, when we go through this, there are so many different lessons or things that I could bring to light, but there are things to think about, isn't it? This is one thing to think about, isn't it? Be careful what you place yourself under because you may be a lover of God, completely committed, serving God 100%, but you've positioned yourself in a leader, and I'm not like, or like Eli, in a leader that is falling short. And don't think you won't be affected in some way. You see the sins, the generational sins. He was like a father to him. He was a priest. He was being raised up, but he was like a father. His parents went yearly to go and visit Samuel. And his mom would make and bring a, a new coat every year as she would visit her son. They didn't raise him. He's being raised under, under Eli. And look at what happened with Eli. Yeah. Nevertheless, God still used Samuel, didn't he? Yeah. He used Samuel in big ways. Why? Because Samuel served the Lord. Did he make some mistakes? Well, obviously, his kids. Or 
did his sons, his children just choose their own way? Because we have free will. But regardless of how and what, we know that Samuel served the Lord and loved God and God used him. And is that not true for all of us? We love God. We serve God. He wants to work in and through our lives. And he is. So he's raising up. And he raised up. Samuel raised up the school of the prophets because the Lord led him. Because remember what that scripture said? That he would be a sure house. A sure house. So it wasn't necessarily his own children in this story anyway. But it was still a sure house. God is raising up. And in here he raised up a school of prophets. It was a sure house. God is raising you up to be a sure house. To raise up people that he has called you to raise up. Every single one of you are called by God to raise up other people and to speak life and truth to them. And they may not be in your own household. They might, but not all. But we got to realize the assignment that God has given us and do this assignment. So he's raising up the remnant. I believe that you are the remnant. Part of the remnant. We are part of the remnant. And developing your ears to hear correctly from the living God is our job. We have to develop our ability to hear God correctly, right? He desires for us to be one who hears and obeys immediately because delayed obedience is still disobedience. So as I taught my children, I'm now teaching all of you not to presume that the permission of God is the will of God. So we go, well, God's permitting it. God's allowing it. Yes, because he's allowing, he's allowed free will. Just because you see people in the pulpit with a gifting does not mean they're standing right before God. I believe the church, even though I think they should already know this, sometimes I just feel like I need to state the obvious. Gifts don't guarantee godly character. Some things that people call the Holy Spirit is not even the Holy Spirit. You can have gifts in a polluted vessel that for a time goes unnoticed and unpunished. But God will not be mocked because he does see all. And that should bring joy to your heart. That should bring relief to your heart, especially those that have children that you want them back in church. And you don't want them to walk in the in the disillusionment that the devil is throwing because some have fallen from their position because they've walked in mixture. God will not be mocked. So he gives us time. He gives us time to repent. If his voice is not heeded, though, there will be an exposing, which brings destruction to yourself and to those that you have put on a pedestal. Do not put anybody on a pedestal. Don't put me on a pedestal. Don't put anyone on a pedestal, which means idolizing that person, right? We want to we give all of our attention and focus onto the Lord. That's not to say you don't honor the person. You just don't idolize the person. Amen. So we don't confuse the permissive will of God for the perfect will of God. Just because someone is doing something and calls it God doesn't mean it's the perfect will of God. So the permissive will of God never brings forth the pure heart of God. And that's what really we're after, isn't it? Because it's what he's after. For us to have that heart, pure heart, and that we seek his heart, which is always pure. So if you, if you are trying to just pursue the permissive will of God, 
you will always fall short of your true calling. In other words, you're settling for second best, and nobody here wants that. So again, God chooses. When he chooses, he calls someone unto himself, and he's calling you unto, unto himself. He puts the mark on those who are allowing God to mold them and allowing God to transform their hearts, right? Not the one who wants attention. Not the one who needs the fanfare or is preoccupied with, with self-promoting and self-elevating their own ministry before people. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah, and we have to call out the things that we see, especially when we see too many getting deceived into things and lowering the standard. When I taught my kids, let me tell you, I taught them just like I teach you all. I didn't speak to them as if they were like three and seven and, you know, nine. I, I spoke to them as they were adults, as if they were adults, I mean. I, I expected a lot. And this is how we are to train up, raise up. Because you speak to the highest level, which is the word of God, and you call them up and you're being called up. So there are some who call themselves today prophets. We're talking about Samuel. He was a prophet. There are some who call themselves today prophets. And I know, you all, you all know that I believe that there are some prophets. I believe that there, the five-fold fold ministry gifts are 100% in operation today. So obviously there are some that are prophets. Okay? But I also believe that there are many people that call themselves a prophet, and they are not a prophet at all. But instead, it's shameful. People that call themselves prophets that are not is shameful. I, you know, it really bothers me. It bothers me because you either know that you're called into the office of a prophet or you know that you are not. And it is not something to play with. Amen. You will be held more accountable when you're called to higher callings. So stop playing with gifts and functions and offices that God has not released you in. Now, if he's released you in that, that's a different story, but you would know. And it would be evident to others as well that you're not playing games and there's an authority that you walk in and you're not giving words to tickle people's ears. You will give the true, unadulterated word of God no matter who likes it, no matter who receives it. You'll do so with the love of God, but love may not look like love to everyone at that moment. But your heart is to serve God first, always. And so therefore, if you have heard from him, then you'll speak. Samuel spoke in fear and trembling, but he didn't back off. To what God spoke to him to speak, right? I know that I'm a prophet. I don't need somebody to tell me. Doesn't, you know, people feel like they need the affirmation of somebody else to affirm what God has called them to do, but God does not need somebody else's affirming in your life if you know. Doesn't mean he won't confirm it. But the problem is, is that people need accolades from others, and that is where they fall. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. 
You'll have people that will run into this church, other churches, with the desire of, just give me a word, just give me a word. I just want a word. I will not do that. We will not do that. We will not be a church that will pollute and adulterate the word and the giftings of the Lord. Because we are accountable. How we respond, we are accountable. I have something else for you instead. Why don't you learn to hear God for yourself? We need to learn to hear God for ourselves. Then, when someone that truly is either a prophet or operating in a prophetic gift, and there's a difference, when they give you a word from the Lord, it will confirm what God has already spoken. It'll be a confirming word. When God spoke to prophets in the Old Testament and they spoke words to people, most of the time it wasn't a word they wanted to hear. It was because the person wasn't listening to God in the first place and God felt the need to speak through a man or a woman to speak to that rebellious person. Okay, I think I'm waking some people up today. What do you think? People, I just want a word. I just want a word. Well, go to the word and let him speak. Learn. Learn to hear. I know it's not taught like this. I know the church just wants you to, you know, only what's, you know, what's going to edify and what's going to build up and what's going to tickle ears is what they're really just saying. That's true if you're just operating in the, in giving prophetic words. But when you're in the office of a prophet, it's a whole nother ball game. It's a whole nother scene, church. You better speak the word of God. And you better speak that word unadulterated without any fear of man. And you should have a holy fear and reverential respect for the Lord. Well, this is Samuel. This is who we're talking about. Prophets weren't really liked. They were clearly misunderstood, but not by God. Well, we would do well if we learned how to really put aside a lot of the things that man has taught when it didn't line up with the word of God so that we can be vessels that would hear God clearly. We cannot flippantly say things. That's true for any one of us, all Christians. I've often said to some, you know, when I come to the pulpit, I have to remind myself to smile. I get just in, in my own, in the giftings God has given, I'm, I get very serious. Well, that's the call of God in my life. There's fire. There's danger. People are dying. Yeah. I used to say, my, oh, my poor kids, they had to put up with me all these years. I don't say that anymore. They're blessed beyond measure. And for those that can heed the truth, they are advancing in the way God has called them to advance. Judges 17.6, in a culture where everyone does what is right in his own eyes. But we're coming out. We're coming out from amongst them. We're going to come out from amongst them. We're going to be separate. Your future depends on your obedience today. That's the, you know, the most beautiful thing is to be obedient to the Lord. Is to seek his will and to seek his ways. Your future depends on your obedience today. So God is raising up a remnant, and he has crowned us with abundance. And the reason that I come so strong, well, I can't help myself. It is the, it is the spirit of God and how he moves through me. But the reason that it's so strong is I don't want any one of you to lose what God has already promised. 
he's, he's, he gave that verse, Psalm 65, 11, that he has crowned this year with abundance, his goodness and abundance. And I believe, and if you were here on the New Year's service, that like I saw crowns on your head. God was making this so visible, so apparent, so true, so genuine, right? It's like the crowns that are on your head. Well, don't think the enemy isn't trying to knock them off and rob them from you, which is why you're hearing this message. And God said, I want you to, I want you to bring forth a, the teachings from, the, from Samuel, from the life of Samuel, so that we could draw the parallels with where the church is going awry, where the church is being deceived, and therefore you will not be one of them because you're heeding the word of the Lord. Amen. When we heed the correction, even before we need correction, yes. because we see it happening all around. Right. It helps us to redirect if necessary and keep our lives right with him. So we live right. So we honor God. And when we honor God and we live right, God will see to it that he brings you where he needs to bring you. So because he can trust you because you've proven it already. He wants to use the one that he can trust. And you say, what about the people that are they're falling? They're having, all, you know, sexual relations with, with, you know, all these different people in their, in their church. And they're, they're married or, you know, they're just like they're fornicating or they're adultery, all this stuff. What about them? God raised them up and used them. He put them on a platform and then now look what's happening. Stop looking at somebody else's field and focus on your own life. Because there are different reasons as to why that might have happened. They may have never been a man or woman called by God in the first place. Or they may, may have been a man or a woman called by God and then therefore didn't keep their lives right and pure. Every day is a choice to serve God and to serve him wholeheartedly. Amen. And every day we must take that choice and say, wow, Lord, I want to choose well. I want to choose right. Right? So, Father, I thank you that you are raising up your remnant. And you have crowned us, but Lord, we're going to walk in that high calling and we're not going to lose not one thing. We're not going to be preoccupied with what everyone else is doing. We see it. We need to address it. We need to speak to it. But at the same time, we're not going to be preoccupied by sin, even someone else's. We want to stay focused on the purity of our own hearts. And we say, Lord, search my own heart. And see if there be any wicked, any wicked ways within me, Lord God. Father, I anchor myself into you, Lord, that you would, you would cleanse this vessel. That, Lord God, my heart and my, my speech, my words would line up with your heart, Lord God. And I would not bring you shame. We don't want to bring you shame, Lord. We don't want to bring you shame. We want to bring you glory. We want to bring you honor. And we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to hear those words, and so therefore every day we will keep our lives in the center of your will. Every day we will allow you to speak to us, and to change what needs to be changed, and that our heart and our attitude would line up with your perfect will. We want to be vessels that God raises up, not vessels we raise up. We want to be men and women that God raises up. And he's raising up people. And he's raising up his remnant. And it's beautiful what I see. I see hearts that are hungry for Jesus. Hearts that just want to please him and serve him. And that's how we're going to remain. Because the word of God is pure. 
and it's unadulterated for those that have ears to hear. Amen?